bidding farewell to a great, uh, magnificent player, and by the way, somebody won the league title this week as well. Welcome to Thunder Pond. of our listeners will already have heard Martin Palermo played his final match for Boca Juniors on Sunday actually his his last game in the Bayern sorry yes sorry that was those were the the two or the one word that I was missing from that sentence his final home match for for Boca Juniors on Sunday and as probably far fewer of you will be aware Vélez Sarsfield won the league championship on Sunday one of these events got far more coverage than the other and uh, we'll be discussing that in a second I'm Sam Kelly and as, as you've already heard, I'm joined by Australian Dan, Dan Colesimoni. Hello. And English Dan, Dan Edwards. Hello. Unfortunately, Seb is not here today because uh, it's his wife's birthday and he seemed to think that was more important than, than recording a so podcast. Excuse, but watching the three of us get slowly more drunk over the course of an hour and a half. I can't imagine why. That's a birthday party, right? Yeah. If you are listening to this, Diana, then happy birthday and we'll, we'll forgive you for spoiling this episode of the podcast. Somehow, one day. But Seb is pretty much on his last warning, right? Anyway. <laughs> Let's drag this back into the world of relevancy. Um, there are really two things, above all others, that we're going to that we need to start talking about uh, this week. I think, really, there's one thing above all others that we should talk about, but we can't really ignore Palermo's retirement. We're going to try and do things in the correct order, though. <laughs> yeah, let's at least buck the trend of the uh, Argentine yeah. press. The, the Argentine press... Um, have, I mean, I was watching Fox Sports Noticias for a fair bit of yesterday afternoon. They talked about Martin Palermo for about two hours. This was on Football para Todos, which is a, a show. It, it's obviously the name of a government policy to take football onto the, the publicly owned networks that a lot of people have heard of. Uh, but it's also a show on Fox Sports, which is not one of the networks in question. But what came first, just out of interest? I think I'm pretty sure the Fox the, show. The, the oh, Fox yeah, 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 yeah probably. And they probably just refused to change the name. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were talking about Palermo for two, two and a half hours. And after about two, yeah, I think after about two and a half hours or so, they, they had Jose Luis Chilabert on, the Paraguayan goalkeeper, who's doing some kind of, um, I'm not exactly sure, I was watching it on mute. <laughs> um, <laughs> the best it, way to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, according to the captions along the bottom of the screen, anyway, I was watching it on mute. Um, and according to the captions on the bottom of the screen, as far as I could see, they weren't asking him too much about Meles' title win. Uh-huh. And after about three hours and 20 minutes, they got a couple of Meles players on, Maxi Morales and um, it might have been Ricky Alvarez, I can't remember. And they started asking them about the title win. So just three and a half hours in. Well, like the, the cover of Ole, the print edition, uh, this is the Sports Daily, um, <laughs> had a huge picture of Martin's face, I think, and it said, like, sorry, Meles. Yeah, like... <laughs> Uh, that pretty much sums up the type of coverage that we're getting. I can't quite yeah. imagine that happening either in any other country or for any other No, like, you imagine like Manchester United winning a title and because Lampard is retiring or something mm. and they've got Lampard's face on the front, you know, on the back pages of all the papers, it would just be bizarre. Yeah. It wouldn't happen, <laughs> I think we can say that. Well, I think given Palermo's 
No, we're not, we won't talk about Palermo yet. We've already said that we're going to try and do this correctly. So Vélez's title win, gents. Which was caused by, uh, well, due to the fact that Lanús, uh, surprisingly, I guess, lost uh, to Argentinos. Yeah. yeah, a goal from Nicolás Blandi um, shortly after the, the start of the second half. Right, so they needed that win to stay within one point going into the final week next week, which uh, was kind of anticlimactic. I was quite was, looking yeah. forward to uh, sort of a... A battle between those two in the, in the final. Two I was. Weeks. That's I think what added to the anticlimax as well was that we should point out Vélez won two 0 away to Huracan, repeating their win in two thousand nine. Of course, like the same. Well, it was a title playoff. If it was a title playoff, there was a little yeah. bit more buzz about the game. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And it was in front of an empty stadium as well. This game mm. on Sunday mm-hmm. because of Huracan's problems with Estudiantes in the last game. Yeah, which which we so which yeah we spoke about. Um, so a lot of the Vélez fans were watching it in in their stadium uh, on the big screen. The party, to be fair. Yeah, uh, I, I saw somebody tweeting about this. I, I should. I feel I should say this because um, a lot of our Twitter followers will certainly be aware that in my case and possibly in, in your two as well, I'm not especially fond of Vélez Sarsfield. Mm-hmm. We have before and under pod mentioned that that they have relatively small crowds compared with the level of success that they have. Their fans chant things like small club at Estudiantes fans. Mm-hmm. Estudiantes have won four times the number of Copa Libertadores that Vélez have. Things like this. But I think I should mention this because I saw somebody uh, during the Vélez game against Oricano on Sunday tweeting, uh, an Argentine journalist, uh, tweeting, you know, once again, there aren't very many people you know, at Vélez's stadium to watch this game. I don't think that's entirely fair, <laughs> given, given that the game wasn't actually taking place yeah, there. They're just showing it on a big screen. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah. hang on a sec, you know. And they actually stuck around to watch the Lanos yeah. game as well, so yeah. I think probably a fair thing to point out about Vélez, something that a lot of our viewers might not know, even if they've been to Buenos Aires and kind of been in the places that people we visit tend to go. You'll never see kind of Vélez shirts, say, in the centre of the city or mm. in San Telmo or Palermo, all these kind of more like uh, cosmopolitan barrios, but if you go out to the west of the city, it's kind of all Vélez. This where like, they've got a fairly big sport, I'd say, but... It's very much concentrated in their core areas, unlike, you'd say, the five grandes. Yeah. And even maybe Huracan, Huracan, where, you would, Huracan. where you will see, you know, you'll see Racing shirts or Independiente shirts yeah. in all over the city. But yeah, I think really some of the complaint, though, is more to do with this so-called amargo bitterness, <laughs> or which doesn't really translate well, but supposedly they're, they're quick to turn on their team. If, they, if their team is out of the... You know, at the moment, they're, they're, they were playing Copa Libertadores mm-hmm. semi-finals and, and fighting for the league, so they've got big crowds, but... When things aren't going going well, supposedly you know the stadium is always empty, which is actually quite true. If you, if you I think we've all been to games out there where you know but for the last three or four years they've been doing well. So yeah, exactly. Um, the team at the moment certainly don't deserve to have the, the piss taken out. No, no, no. no football wise, I mean, I don't have any particular love for Vélez. I was kind of hoping Lanús would do it because they're the underdog. We've got some nice players, hmm. but. Yeah, as a football inside, you can't argue with Vélez winning the league. They were the best team. They've got the strongest squad, the strongest eleven. Yeah, a few people were commenting that perhaps that was the difference between Lanús and Vélez uh, was the squad. Uh, Lanús's first eleven is is very decent as well as we've yeah. talked about their midfield a couple of weeks ago. But um, Vélez, I mean, all this talk about Ricky Alvarez. In theory, he's not even a starter. I mean, um, he's played a lot of games this year because various people have been injured. But he's he's been supposedly coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I only saw the highlights of this game because, yeah, for various reasons on Sunday, I didn't see much from all. But I saw the highlights and Ricky Alvarez, yeah, he was the man of the match from what I saw. Yeah, really no, he's, he's been like a yeah. sort of, a, I don't know, yeah, an impact player, we could yeah. say, this this uh, 
town. Because yeah. was Maxi Morales injured? Is that why he wasn't playing? He's had some, I think, a, a couple of injuries and yeah. maybe a couple of suspensions and things yeah. as well. He's, he's, Maxi, I think, is probably the the player who's ahead of Alvarez. And yeah, but even like Fernandez and stuff, yeah. are, are like, yeah. because it's, it's always like one of those front attacking yeah. midfielders who, who's out or, or uh, Martinez when he's been away for national duty. Or, mm, yeah. um, but basically, yeah, as we were saying, they've got a really good squad depth and all, you know, a really nice, uh, really nice attack. So I think the buzz is now that uh, Maxi Morales, which who for me is definitely, he was one of the top five players in the tournament. The buzz that I've heard from you know people around was that he's going to be in line for a move to Turkey apparently in the close season, which led to a kind of brilliant, you know, Argentines know nothing about the outside world, quote from one of my friends. It was, you know, chatting, oh yeah, it looks like Morales going back to Turkey. Wasn't he just already there? Like, why the hell would he go back? Apparently Russia and Turkey are now the same thing. Yeah. Which is, yeah, not quite true. If anyone's listening, Russia and Turkey are not the same thing. And, and we are aware of that. We can confirm that. So we, can confirm. we checked it on Wikipedia yeah. and it's not, it's not the same country. No. Nor no. was it at any any stage. No, they're in more or less the same place as far as we can see. But um, Yeah, somewhere across the Atlantic Ocean. Exactly. We know they're there. It's all the same. Yeah. Apart well, from, from players like Alvarez, Martinez, obviously Santiago Silva stands out. Can either of you think of any of the kind of supporting well, cast, let's say? For example, uh, Zapata... Yeah, it's um, done really well this year because they, especially because they lost um, Somoza who was their captain in the Apertura yeah Zapata really stepped up yeah, um, yeah I've been very best. I've been very impressed with Sebastian Dominguez as well in defence obviously yeah. he got sent off on Sunday for, for fighting with the Oricano <laughs> players who also got sent off but I think by and large he's been very solid as well and also I think it's worth uh, pointing out their goalkeeper Baravero who mm-hmm. makes very few mistakes like I mean I know Sam suffered a lot with mistakes with River this year and against well, Belas as well. Yeah. And hopefully we won't talk about this too much today, but in Racing this week we saw an absolute shocker. But Venez, yeah, their keeper Barovero doesn't seem to make these mistakes. Possibly the, say, the best in the league. Or? I wouldn't say he's the most kind of spectacular in the league. He doesn't I, make I amazing saves, but he doesn't. He does the basics well. And yeah. mm. in this league, that at least the best in the in the Clausura. I mean, yeah, exactly. like yeah. he's, I, I think there's definitely a case for saying he's the goalkeeper who's had the most impressive Clausura. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, albeit that other keepers have perhaps had to do a bit more work than he has because yeah. Venice are. Um, just they, they they dominate so many of the games that he's not to do so much. But I think yeah. there'd be a definite case of the say how Carrizo's dip in form come slightly earlier in the season or mm. been slightly more extended. I, I think there would have been a definite case for suggesting that Barrovero was more deserving of a call up for the Copa America yeah. squad mm, given possibly. given his form, given his mm. form rather than obviously we know that Carrizo has yeah. had several seasons of being a, a really good goalkeeper behind him as well. I mean, I was very surprised that. No Vélez players got the call-up. I mean, especially Borrito uh, mm. Martínez, mm. uh, Juan Manuel Martínez, I think he could have really been pushing for him. Mm. He would have had to... Well, it's, it's tough, because he would have had to tough, tip yeah. um, Enzo Pérez or, or Valeria, I guess. Mm. Uh, so it's hard, yeah. Or one of the forwards, maybe Melito or... <laughs> Tevez or Messi. Yeah, as we've talked about, it's a pretty tough... He's a fantastic, fantastic player. Mm. Really, really good, yeah. I guess because we talked about Lanús a couple of weeks ago, but definitely worth mentioning that that were... The, the closest. Uh, I, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that it's uh, we're lucky this Clausura to have the two teams who were fighting for it, uh, both really attractive teams, uh, yeah. which hasn't always been the case in recent seasons. And at one point in the season, it could have gone anyway because I think maybe it was only about a month ago. There's about eight different teams yeah. playing yeah. for the title, uh, and also a lot of them not looking that impressive. Godoy Cruz um, 
I mean, yeah, they're all they're level quite attractive on, stuff yeah, as well. And they're level on points with Blenders, yeah. so they deserve yeah. a shout-out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so they're, they're very real. And, and I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that fourth is their current record finish. So that they must be. Yeah. Um, they're currently third, as you say, Danny. The level. I think they might be a point behind Lanús, uh, but they're definitely in with the yeah. chance of getting a club all-time record um, yeah. finish for, for them. So well done. So I believe they finished fourth in last year's Clausura, the yeah. Clausura 2010. Yeah, because they, right. they did a similar thing as this year. Kind of started off very strongly and then faltered a little bit towards the end. So one point behind, one point behind, behind at the moment okay. last weekend. And Argentina's fourth. Yeah, well. Argentina's fourth. No one's talked about Argentina's for the whole year, but they've only they lost. Well, we remember, like for ages, they were undefeated. Yeah. And, but yeah. during a lot of games, but yeah. they lost three all season, which mm. is better than any other club in the league. Yeah, and the um, that that victory over Lanús was actually the first Lanús were yeah. eleven unbeaten, I think. Mm. Yeah, at home. Yeah. And actually, that was a, another point I wanted to make. Camoranesi was speaking after the game in a very calm and sensible way, which. Isn't, often isn't the case. Obviously, playing for Lanús and they just lost and they just you know, realised that they lost the title. He blamed it on, basically, I think the squad depth and he said Lanús got off to quite a slow start. Um, they didn't start that well but after that, you know, like from, from about four or five games in they've been really, really good. Um, so that's possibly what we can put the difference down to. Plus another interesting point from that game, just a little bit of trivia, I think. The Argentina's goalkeeper is a kind of 20, 21-year-old Luis Ojeda, I believe his name is. Yep. As far as I know, and it was definitely true until a couple of weeks ago, he's played about 15, 16 games for Argentinos and never been beaten. Mm. When he's in goal, Argentinos have never lost a game. Wow. Because I think his debut, possibly, or his second game was that incredible game, I think. I know me and at least Sam went to You're quite right, 4-3. Yeah. When he looked fairly shaky, he conceded a goal olimpico, a goal from a corner. But, yeah, he's never been beaten in the Argentina shirt, apparently. Yeah, that's... Uh, given that we're talking about a title win, um, and that some of our listeners at least will probably be unaware of that match, it was almost exactly a year ago. Because mm-hmm. it was in the penultimate round of, of last year's Clausura. Probably uh, actually, it was probably match, slightly, yeah. slightly probably further because, of course, yeah. the World Cup meant that the season had to end sooner. So, uh, just over a year ago, but in, in footballing terms, exactly one full season ago. Yeah. And Argentinos, at that point as well, had pretty much come from nothing. Nobody had been looking at them all yeah, season. Yeah, just... And then, uh, even going into the game, I don't think there was it really any talk about them being in the title race. Independiente were trying to stay in the title race. Um, and Independiente went 3-1 up about 10 minutes into the second half. Hit the crossbar after that. And Argentinos fans were not at all pleased. Um, fairly, I think with about 10 or 15 minutes to go, Argentinos pulled one back, but they were still 3-2 down going into stoppage time, and they ended up winning 4-3. Incredible. It was the best match Incredible. I've ever been at, and, and the stands afterwards went absolutely <laughs> mental. It, it was it was fantastic. And I was in the Argentinos Popular for that game, and it just, yeah, pretty well. Yeah, I, I was... Uh, I actually went along with my friend Johnny and we got um, we got approached by, by a guy who turned out to work for Akindinos and, and uh, was trying to get more foreigners mm. into the stadium and to show them the new museum which was opening up. So we paid 10 pesos over the platea price and uh, after the game, in return for those 10 pesos, we got taken down to the uh, into the museum, shown around the museum, got to have our pictures taken with the Copa Libertadores at the time, one and everything. And then shortly after that, we were shown out onto the pitch and introduced to Luis Segura, the club president, <laughs> and one of the AFA's vice presidents. And how's he, Nascar? Um, he was very polite with me. Uh, he, uh, he, I told him I was a journalist and mm-hmm. I, I didn't hint that I knew who he was and <laughs> some of the, the, the footballing policies that he voted for, let's say, in the, mm-hmm. within the son of the AFA. But yeah, that was, that was an incredible match. Yeah, and it's just the same, you know, I, I can think of, nobody's really paid attention to them, but again, they've had a very good campaign. Dan was saying, like, um, 
there was a, a few teams hovering around there, which even good like crews, like you would have been pretty surprised if, yeah. even though it was slightly, like we didn't yeah. see them as as a real threat until the last few weeks. The final thing I guess I wanted to say about both, uh, I forgot to mention before, but uh, as, as I was talking about, both of them being attractive teams, Lanus and, and Realis, this is, uh, both of them as well have a really good sort of uh, whole club structure around them, as, as yeah. we, we probably talked about before as well. Yeah, Realis in particular have a <coughs> reputation for being the, the model institution, which I think yeah, they've got a lot, and a lot of the opposition fans certainly like to point For example, out. I think when they, I heard that when they sold uh, Mauro Sarate, they used those, that money to buy a couple of swimming pools to you know expand their club, and it's not these, yeah. you know, some of these clubs, sometimes this money just seems to disappear. But Lanús as well, like you hear the Lanús players talking, and um, it even sounds like when you hear these Barcelona guys talking, where they say, well, we, we learn our, our style of play from when we're very young, and like we anyone can come into the team, and, and we know what we're supposed to do. So like they have a whole system set up, bringing these young guys through, uh, which is pretty impressive for, a, for an Argentinian club. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's something that, in fact, we, we mentioned, I think English Dan was telling us a week or two ago, about how if, if all Lanús sell anybody, they have to... To have a vote of a certain part of the fans group yeah. or something, X number of people have to vote in it before it's counted as legitimate or whatever. Yeah, so it's nice to see these clubs doing well. Um, we we often talk about the problems and stuff and uh, all this goings on of Argentinian football, but it's good to see that you know a couple of the best organised clubs. Are yeah. Definitely. Doing, doing well in the championship. Definitely. And speaking of Velas doing well, of course, one that uh, the Seba, who's obviously absent today, asked us all in the email to point out, he, he was adamant that, that we need to, to say this to you, is, is that Velas have now overtaken Racing. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's what he said. <laughs> no, it's not. And in I fact, I'm, I'm, I'm completely on, on Seba's side of this argument. In terms of titles one, right? Yeah. Um, uh, According to the official record in Argentina, now Melis have got nine to Racing's eight. Mm. Although we're making fun of Seba in his absence here, and of course of English Dan, who's a Racing fan as well, who, and who is here. Um, <laughs> and we're I'm still making fun of him. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually completely on Seba's side with this. I've, I've known Seba for, for several years, and, and we've always... He's a top bloke. He is. I don't care what people say about no. him. He's, he's yeah. a nice guy. Seba, if you're listening, then you know, don't, don't listen to, to, to anybody <laughs> else. Um, but yeah, what... We've agreed on this for several years. That the, the records here in Argentina for league title wins and stuff very far too often tend to begin with the professional era, which started in 1931. Which means that according to, to those stats, Vélez have got nine, Racing have got eight. But in actual fact, Vélez have got nine and Racing have got 17 um, because Racing won nine championships back before the Argentine league became professional, and in fact, were the first the first Argentine side to really dominate the championship. That there was. Uh, English high school before that, but they were not a what's called a Creole show side. They were made up of, of foreigners, as the name suggests. Plus, we should probably point out that only one of Racing's trance has come in the short, short season. Short tournaments, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that was yeah. that's another thing. I mean, to me, that's. I, I, I think I place slightly less importance than, than Seba on that one because I mean, for me, if, if that's how how you decide the titles, then. Everybody's That's still here to, to do yeah. it, and, and of course, yeah. another reason is I'm a River fan, and, and River have won <laughs> far more short championships than anyone else. Although, no, I, th- I still, think it's the other way around because if when you compare Boca and River, Boca won a lot of Boca short lot tournaments, of short and if you didn't, if you included those as kind of half tournaments, River would be well, well ahead, which mm. they already are ahead. Yeah, um, but yeah, for, for, if anybody out there is reading that, well, let's now have more titles than Racing. It's it's not strictly <laughs> true. No. But listen to that English press there. <laughs> Absolutely, the the current. I think top it would be top six and it would be I think Vélez might have drawn level with San Lorenzo now they might have nine each or something but I I think certainly the current current top four are River with 33 Boca with 23 or possibly 22 
Um, Racing and Independiente they have 17 each. So Seven, 17, 17 or 18? Okay. 18 or 17. Well, sure. Um, and then there's a big gap. Yeah, so there's quite a big gap to San Lorenzo and, and Belles and possibly one or two other sides. Kilmes have got no. Kilmes have got one or two. Kilmes were the first Argentine club to win it, other than Alumni. Alumni might still be in, in the top ten. Actually, <laughs> Alumni were a side. They, the team who, who led on from English high school. They were the same club. They were they won something like eight of the first fifteen championships in Argentina back in the nineteen century. Uh, Huracan were, were, of course, a really successful club in the yeah. But enough of that history lesson. Vague history lesson. <laughs> we, we've, yeah, I've already mentioned that Godoy Cruz um, are on course for a club record finish, um, and what also, of course, would be a, a Mendoza province record highest finish in the national championship. And some of that, at least, <laughs> is down to an astonishing 45 minutes, which English Dan's been itching to tell us all about. We're recording this on Tuesday night without Seba, of course, because English Dan couldn't make the Monday night recording due to the fact that he was at El Cilindro. There was a Monday night recording as well? There was, there was going to be, yeah. But uh, for some reason, you, you preferred to go and see the, the racing game. Yeah, it's probably I, a mistake. I was also I was you know, at a pub quiz, and so I didn't, I, I've only seen the result, and I saw the sequence of goals. So yeah. I, I, I saw I saw up to 2-0 uh, to racing. So I'm really interested to hear Dan's story. I purposely haven't read any of the reports, because I just yeah. want to hear from a racing fan's I, perspective. I, I saw up to 2-0, and then me and my flatmate started watching The Wire while, while our roast chicken cooked in the oven. And then I turned back over again when it had finished. So Dan, what happened? When, yeah. The truth is, I don't really know. <laughs> you blacked out. I wish. It was a very odd game. I managed to miss the first goal because it happened within, a fa- I think, forty seconds of the kickoff. Forty-three seconds. Yeah, yeah, and I was still outside on my way to the ground, as we always seem to turn up late these days for some reason or other. And yeah, like for the first half, Racing looked pretty impressive, like knocking the ball around on top of Godoy. I think they realised, you know, to play Goro, you have to take it to him, really like pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And they were doing that well. And Teo Gutierrez scored twice, which now makes him the top scorer in the Clausura with 11 goals. Yep. So maybe we can just take a moment to applaud this Colombian who probably came in. There's you know, it's a very little fanfare in this first time. There's one round to go, but if he. Yeah. Actually, is he playing next weekend? He won't, won't be playing. He's gone now, yeah. Right. So. Well, we'll talk about the two behind him because I wanted to mention one of them no, in a minute. But, <laughs> but for now, let's let's keep on with. Yeah, uh, I think yeah we probably we must have mentioned Teo uh, a fair bit. Yeah, so it has to be said his second goal. The first one was a uh, just a really good header, but yeah. the second goal was Trapped really nice to watch. Yeah. It, so many strikers would have taken an extra touch, but mm-hmm. Teo kind of he took one touch to knock it around the keeper and then just straight in with his left foot. Yeah. And he has been the, the reason he's going to be absent next week is that he has been called up for the Colombian national Basically team. Basically, on the back of what he's done exactly. for Racing, Racing managed to get a special dispensation so he could be allowed yeah. to play on Monday. Yeah, because yeah. Like Monday, was, technically, better, Monday yeah. was technically the cut-off point, wasn't it? They had to. Yeah. They were trying to get the, the game moved to Sunday, but the Afi said no. So yeah, said luckily the Colombian like, were a bit flexible. Yeah. yeah. So and then how did the game finish? So it's two 0 up. Well, Teo could have also <laughs> Teo could have had a couple more because I don't know really how legitimate the decisions were because I was behind the goal but there was a lot of offsides and you got the feeling that some of them weren't really there was some <laughs> there's some very marginal decisions they, they never are they, they, no they yeah. never are but they always argue them and then yeah Gordo Cruz scored just before half time I can't remember who the scorer was Mariano Donda Donda scored the first the same guy who scored yeah. the penalty very nicely taken mm. nice second goal no complaints so it was a 2-1 going into half-time and I turned around to my mate in the stands. We're actually at this point drinking a cheeky uh, fernet and coke because <laughs> one of our other mates managed to get a 
But it's illegal to drink in a stadium then. Yeah, but they managed to somehow smuggle a bottle of the same size we're drinking tonight, which is a... 415 milliliter. A 415 milliliter bottle of Fanet. It wasn't Branca, unfortunately. And they were kind of buying, yeah, Coca Colas from the Coca Coleros that go around <laughs> and just mixing it on the fly. It was quite a pleasant way to spend half time. And I kind of turned around and said to him, Look, you know, the second half, we're going to suffer, right? And my prophecy came true because in about five minutes or so. Was it five minutes? It was nine minutes. Nine minutes. Felt like five. Ruben Ramirez who, the, uh, yeah. the match details I guess anybody's wondering how we're yeah. Ruben Ramirez who is not loved for anything by the by the Racing fans he was an ex-player and he got booed the hell out of pretty much after that goal to be fair mm. scored and I think he celebrated it which pissed a few people off and then so that was 2-0 Racing again from what, all I was saying about you know to play Godoy and you have to kind of push him and go go front go to the front Racing just sat back and really kind of like collapsed in on themselves in the second half but still had a couple of chances and then Christ knows what happens in the last minute it was kind of a rush you know Racing wants to win because three points would put, put us almost in the sort of Americana hmm. so Fernandez the Paraguayan keeper he, go, he goes down to stop the ball and decides to be a little bit clever while he's still on the floor does kind of a little flick and <laughs> knocks it to a defender from this, the defender didn't know the ball was coming to <laughs> And I think it was Donder again. He actually clocked before anyone. I think Bashu might have been the defender. It won't sound that. No, I'm looking, I'm looking <laughs> at the player ratings and yeah. have Fernandez has two points and Bashu yeah, has that's, four. So. That's generous, that's generous. <laughs> and yeah, so Donder then picked up the ball and was absolutely clean through. Fernandez chopped him down and it was a penalty. <laughs> and to be honest, I, at that point, I burst out laughing because it's just like, <laughs> these things can only happen to wrestling. Like, Coasting 2 0 and then just to throw it away in three minutes, yeah. in 45 minutes. Like, it's just can only happen to Racing. And then the stupidest penalty of all season. Yeah. That was unbelievable. I have to say that, um, as I say, I, I missed most of the game. But looking at the player ratings, I just have done one thing that really stands out, apart from <laughs> Ben Andes for the Racing getting two, is that Donda, the scorer of two of Godoy Cruz's goals, who's a midfielder, got a 10. And mm. we were talking last week and the week before about Lanus having possibly the best midfield in the country and some, I think Donda has a real case for being mm. one of the sort of top five as well. in Argentina uh, Almeida, Donda yeah, Sanchez for me Donda's been he's had, he's had a great six months he, he, he's really managed to get himself a reputation as a credible free kick taker as well yeah, yeah. yeah. he's smacked a couple in from near close, close to 40 yards um, I call him Siki now because he, you see last week he threw up in the yeah. centre circle and he came up for half time <laughs> And then so, scored a goal in the second half. Yeah, so no matter what he does, uh, for me, he's just sicky from now. Mm. But yeah, he's, he's a really good player. I don't know how old he is. Or yeah, he's like 22, 22. He's, played, he's, too old, yeah. he's, he's definitely, I mean, if he is that young, then yeah. definitely listen out for the name. I mean, I, uh, saw a, I saw a report today linking him with uh, Colo Colo, mm-hmm. who are one of the Chilean giants, which should be a very good move for him, I think. Yeah. I don't know if he's got maybe the talent to go all the way, all the way into a European giant, but definitely if he'd proved himself at Colo Colo, then... Mm. The world's at its feet. Yeah. And that's all I've really got to say about that game. Theo was incredible. The rest of the team was pretty disastrous. Yeah. What, that's what, a fairly good summary after speaking 10 minutes about it. One thing that English Dan did mention during that was, was the Copa Sudamericana qualification. Mm. This win for Godoy Cruz means, of course, that the Racing were going to have to wait another week to find out. They're still in with the chance of qualifying. It, it confirms Godoy Cruz's very, qualification. very slim chance now. Very um, slim chance. Yeah. Uh, it confirms Godoy Cruz's qualification. It also confirms that... If they can avoid the relegation playoff next week, River will definitely be in the Sudamericana. 
which leads us very nicely onto the relegation. So would you like to start with Riverside? I would. Um, I'm not sure quite how long we've been recording, so before I do, I'll just play a very quick bit of music and then come back in for our listeners so that it doesn't get too boring for them. Okay. We'll be right back with the relegation talk. So, the relegation situation. It was a very interesting weekend for it. Actually, obviously, the penultimate weekend of these things generally is. But we've ended up with nothing at all yet decided. I think English Dan's just brought up the relegation table. I think I'm going to go through the, the results first. I can remember roughly how they all affected each other. No, no. It, it's a very. I've forgotten it was there, so thank you for reminding me. Um, but the weekend, the weekend started on Friday night with Olimpo drawing 1 1 with Newell's Old Boys, which meant that whatever happened, River Plate would finish the weekend outside again of the relegation playoff places and Olimpo would finish inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, means, isn't it? it means now that River have got their own their destiny in their own hands. No, exactly. Well, it, it, it meant that then after that game, River had the destiny in their own oh, hands. Oh, but now... No, but no, obviously, much, later no. in the weekend, uh, River mm-hmm. slipped up. Um, they drew 1-1 with the Estudiantes after taking the lead through... A fantastic half volley from Paolo Ferrari with his weaker foot. They got pegged back about five minutes later uh, through a header from Estudiantes. I'm going to try and remember the name of the guy who it was Surulite or something. I think was his. So it was a player whose name I hadn't seen before. Matias Sarulite in the 53rd minute. Uh, in between that Saturday, Arsenal beat Colón away, which means that Arsenal are no longer in any kind of relegation and worry. Also in Sudamericana places now. Yep, all boys confirmed that they will be in the Primera for another mm-hmm. season, which we're, I'm sure we're all very happy about, with a 1-0 win over Gimnasia. Gimnasia. Would, have na- would have been nice to have the Atlanta always classical next year in the National League. Oh, of course, yeah. But, I mean, we, we all enjoy seeing all boys in, in the Primera this yeah, year. Yeah, they're great fun, yeah. As long as Fabiani stays. Yeah, no, not taken. Please don't come back to River Ariel. Uh, and of course the fact that they beat Gimnasia, who are one of the three sides in automatic relegation danger, was the first thing that Kilmes needed to happen for the weekend, for the results to start going Kilmes way. Tigre drew 0-0 with Independiente, a result which keeps Independiente up, and we're going to go into Tigre situation in a little bit because it ties in with Olympos and Rivers. Huracan lost 2-0 to Velas, as we've already mentioned, which was the second result that Kilmes really needed something to happen in. This is because Kilmes, right before the All Boys Gymnasia game, had beaten San Lorenzo 2-0, which was probably the biggest mm-hmm. shock of the weekend. It was after Sad's first game in charge of San Lorenzo. Of course it was, yeah, wasn't it? After so much. I don't think... We probably haven't gone into this. Mm-hmm. Not really much of that, yeah. situation. Basically, he was the... Well, he was Godot Cruz's coach last year. Yeah. He did very well, got them into the Libertadores, and he left because of a contract dispute, and he went to <coughs> Emelec in Ecuador. And again, it's done... Very well there. He just failed to get them out of the Copa Libertadores group stage, and in the local league, they're top at the moment. Mm. I think with about one game to go, they're fighting neck and neck with Liga de Quito, and he did very well. But I think from about a month ago, he's kind of been saying, and San Lorenzo saying, he's our next manager. I want to go to San Lorenzo, and yeah. obviously the Ecuadorians have been fairly reticent to let him go, obviously because he's done good work and he's a good manager. He's finally managed to break the link with Emelec and he's come to San Lorenzo. 
and started. Yeah, he was playing with his old friend Carlos Lombardi. Of course, yeah. (laughs) With that, he had that brilliant exchange of words where he called. Where Caruso called Asad a fat drug addict. This was when Caruso was Tigre manager and yeah. Asad was um, still Godoy Cruz yeah. manager. So it. Caruso called Asad a fat drug addict, <laughs> and Asad called Ca- and Asad accused Caruso of asking money from his players. <laughs> Obviously, an outrageous accusation. Yeah, no, no, no. We'd never repeat. No, so, something that which, which uh, yeah, which we have repeated, <laughs> <laughs> which I have repeated several times. So yeah, no, you're quite right that that was Asad's first game in charge. That, that, that had escaped. But San Lorenzo looked absolutely horrific. Though, yeah. yeah, no idea what they're doing there. Um, but that that win for Quilmes, combined with with the loss for Huracan and Gimnasia, now means that those are the three teams who are fighting to avoid the two automatic relegation places. With the lower of the two relegation playoff places considered a prize for those three, really. And it means that Kilmes are still in with a shout that they need to win on the last day, where they'll be at home. Mm-hmm. At home, isn't it? To to Olimpo. Believe, yeah. This. Uh, yeah, they'll be at home to Olimpo on the last weekend. And they have to hope that either Huracan or Gimnasia lose. They have to hope that both Huracan, that neither Huracan or Gimnasia win, because they have to finish above. Yeah, so oh, of course they do. Yeah, <coughs> um, to get into that place. So they need a few results to go their way. Yeah, yeah. but it's just incredible that they're even coming to the last week. Yeah, exactly. And but especially after. Last week we were talking about how Caruso Lombardi had basically said, OK, we're down, I'm going to play the kids in the last two matches. Yeah. And of course with this, after after Saturday's game, mm. he was back in the press conference saying, OK, well now we've got a chance. I genuinely thought we were dead last week, but we're going to be going for it at the weekend and now. also he was putting himself up for the river job next year. Is it? Did you see, did you see I, this? I have heard this. No. He's saying, yeah, a guy like me could coach river, sure. <laughs> I think... It doesn't surprise me that Caruso Lombardi has no. a big enough ego. To Although I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Passarello would face a mutiny if he tried to bring someone like Caruso on board yeah I, I can't see that happening but yeah but those are the results in terms of the automatic uh, relegation spots as we've said already Estudiantes um, and River drew 1-1 in, in Quilmes Stadium funnily enough but it was Estudiantes with a cluster to the home side and the for me the fact that Quilmes now have something to play for in, in that last game was one of the things that River needed to go their way because of course Quilmes are playing Olimpo who are the side who are most likely to finish and drop River into the relegation mm-hmm. playoff. Right, and that's where I was saying that it's out of River's hands because if Olimpo wins, it doesn't yeah. matter if River win. Yeah. Well, if Olimpo and River both win, they'll finish level on the um, on the points per average table. The situation of the weekend now is is semi complicated for the weekend to come. Obviously, we'll we'll hear from Mystic Dan a little bit later and see what's going to happen. How it's going to turn out. But as it as it stands at the moment, if River match Olimpo's results, then River stay up. If if both teams lose or if both teams draw, then Olimpo will finish below River, whatever happens. If they both win, then because Olimpo's win is being divided over fewer points, it will be worth slightly more, and they'll both finish on exactly the same points average. So it then depends on what happens with Tigre. If Olimpo and River both win and Tigre lose, Tigre are going to, uh, Olimpo, as we've already said, are away to Kilmes. River are at home to Lanús who of course no longer have anything to play for now they've not won the title. And Tigre, uh, where is it? Tigre oh, are away to Argentinos Juniors. Very tricky, yeah. If River and Olimpo both win and Tigre lose, then Tigre will play the relegation playoff. If River and Olimpo both win and Tigre win, then Tigre are clear. River and Olimpo have to play a playoff between themselves to decide who goes into the relegation playoff. Confused yet? Enough Very yet? good, Sam. It's, it's oh, almost like you've been obsessing about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if you've had your calculator out all week. Yeah. Especially. Actually, the thing is that when, year, when River aren't in, uh, involved in this stuff, I actually quite enjoy doing this on the last day of each season. But uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying it slightly less this, this year, obviously. But if River 
and Olimpo both win and Tigre draw with Argentinos, then all three teams will finish level on points average and they'll have to play a three-way kind of a round robin. Nice. I'm really um, which, which would be amusing, if nothing else. I'm not quite sure how the River Games would fit in around the Argentina-Albania friendly. And, and they call off the, the Copa America, America, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, being away with the Selección. Yeah. And then the... Oh, you quite have forgotten about Carrizo altogether. Yeah, you're right. Let's hope that that happens. I really hope that happens. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> want to see Rondona's head explode with the, with the fixture head. But at the moment, of course, it's what, the, the situation at the moment and the fact that Quilmes and Olimpo, one of whom are involved in the direct relegation thing, mm. the other of whom are involved in the playoff uh, race, means that next weekend five matches are going to have to be played at the same time because the results all depend on each other. Yes. So Huracan are away to Independiente, Gimnasia are at home to Boca, and Quilmes are at home to Olimpo. Huracan, Gimnasia and Quilmes are all playing against each other in, in inverted commas. So they've all got to play at the same time. River and Tigre obviously have to play at the same time as Olimpo, which means that those two games, River Lanús and Argentinos Tigre, also have to take place at the same time as these three. Mm-hmm. Which means that at three o'clock local time on Saturday afternoon, we're going to have half of the final <laughs> weekend. And, of course, River are playing Lanús. If Lanús were going into this with a shot at the title, Vélez presumably would also have to play at the same time, right. which would have been six games all at once. There's, there's that, and then there's one more game that, that uh, evening, which is Godoy Cruz against All Boys, which is being played five hours later. God knows why. Presumably to give people a bit of time to recover. Because <laughs> wash the blood off when it's yeah. streets with so many fans. Yeah. Well, it's being played in Mendoza, so I thought they'll be okay. But, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you, sir. Try, trying to follow that live is going to be very confusing. It's going to be kind of like one of those match of the day specials. Mm. Last day of the season with the relegation business where they're cutting yeah, from one game to the other. I think what's amazing in England they never try and screen them all live. Like, no. yeah. I think we're miles ahead in Argentina, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think what, what's amazing is what it's come to for River, as in, like, you were waiting for all these results to happen this weekend so that he, uh, so that uh, Quilmes would have something to play for next yeah, weekend. Yeah, as I was tweeting mm-hmm. quite furiously, I, I seem to be the only River fan on my timeline who was actually paying attention to any of the others. But, um, but you know, like, desperately hoping that. Caruso Lombardi's Quilmes can, can, yeah. can win a match that's pretty much what it's come down to to <laughs> yeah, exactly. three, three, four seasons uh, I'm, I'm feeling a bit more relaxed now than, than I have been doing for a long time about it because I I think with, with something to play for I think Quilmes are going to be really up for that and but Olimpo obviously have something to play for as well of course yeah but I, I think Quilmes can hold them Plus, I think it helps um, River that Lanús have obviously bad out of the championship yeah, race I, because otherwise that could have been a really t- tricky game, especially with River's home form as well, which has yeah. been nothing short of disastrous. I think that was a huge thing for River. Seba was saying to me on, on Sunday via Twitter that he thinks Lanús could be more dangerous true, yeah. um, without yeah. anything to play for, but I'd, personally I, I think I'd much rather have them not having a chance to win the league. For sure. Okay, they'll be relaxed and... A lot of um, when I first came here, one of, one of the first games that, that I saw in Argentina, in fact, the second game I saw in Argentina at the very end of the 2004 Clausura, was a 1 1 draw between River and Atletico Rafaela, which meant that Rafaela didn't get relegated and River won the league. So it was a very convenient result. Yeah. But it has to be said that whilst you perhaps see more of the, those kind of things than, than you do in, in, say, England or Scotland, where everybody just seems to play till, till the very last minute, you don't see it kind of all the time no, in Argentina. No, no. I can't see Lanús going there and being happy to just lie down and watch and allow River to beat them, but I do think that Kilmes and Olimpo. Something just tells me that Olimpo aren't going to beat Kilmes. Watch it happen now. <laughs> I'm not going to put any money on it, but but I, I, I'm much more relaxed about it than I would have been had Lanús had something to play for. I don't know. Like, Kilmes, nothing. Well, like I mean, uh, Olimpo obviously are, they're a better team than Kilmes, and both of them having something to play for. I'm not it's saying it's impossible. I mean, no. Kilmes have been no, no, surprising no, in the last. 
few weeks that I, you know, wouldn't surprise me at all if Phil Limpo win that. No, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, of course, if Phil Limpo won it. But I, I think that Kinless, I think that Kinless can do it. The, the Sudamericana qualification, we're, we're not going to talk about really until the last weekend because it's quite tight, but. Let's uh, just uh, sort it out when yeah. it's all decided. I mean, I mean at the moment, Vélez, Estudiantes, Godoy Cruz, and River have definitely qualified. Yeah. With the caveat, of course, that if River end up in the playoff, then they won't be. Independiente, of course, is the, yeah. is the holders. Now, here's one. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, that if River played the playoff, they won't be in the Sudamericana. Mm-hmm. If River play a playoff to get into the playoff, if River have to play Tigre again, I've absolutely no idea. A couple of people have been asking me on, yeah. on Twitter and via email what will happen in that situation. I don't know, nor does Seba. And I, I, would have, I was really surprised when Seba said he didn't know. I, I, think would assume, I would assume that they would only forfeit their right to be in the Sudamericana if they play, if they play the promotion. If they actually have to play against really? Tigre. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I would think, that's but it wouldn't surprise the me. The official educated yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And, and being as it's a situation that's probably not come up before it would surprise <laughs> no. me as well if, if the AFA have made co- it up as kind of brushed it yeah. under the carpet and just allowed River into the Sudamerican they made plans for eventuality I doubt it exactly because it only seemed to occur to them after about three of the six results that <laughs> had to go that way over the weekend that we might actually end up with five <laughs> games happening at the same time this weekend AFA seems to do a lot of stuff you know on the spur of the moment kind of thing as mm-hmm. we've, we've just seen with the, the Copa America they suddenly said that well you're allowed 23 <laughs> men in your squad now instead of 22 and yeah, yeah. This yeah, is like yeah, a couple of weeks before the tournament starts. <laughs> and another thing that um, that I just wanted to bring up very quickly, English Dan mentioned earlier that Teofio Gutierrez's two goals yesterday for the Racing made him the top scorer in the, in the championship. And of course, we've talked before about the man he's just overtaken, Denis Stracolosi. Teofilo has 11 goals and Stracolosi has 10. And to give you some idea, in the Clausura, Tigre and Racing have both scored exactly 24 goals. So... Both of those players have got a decent proportion of, of yeah. the goals that their team scored. But I'd like to just give a, a special round of applause to Urakan midfielder, <laughs> Javier Campora, who's also scored 10. He's, he scored twice um, in the, in, in the so 3-2, 3-2 win, two over, win Tigre over Tigre last weekend. Of course, he didn't score this weekend because Vélez uh, beat them 2-0. But it means that he's joint second sco- top scorer along with Strakwalosi, playing for a dreadful team, and he's scored 10 goals. Urakan themselves during the Clausura have only scored 17. <laughs> I think we should point out as well, kind of looking at this list, that uh, Teofilo is the only one of the top three whose Who's not goals haven't come from a penalty yet. Yeah. Campora scored from open play. Strakwalosi too. Campora seems to have, uh, m- much like, say, Argentinos ending up in fourth in the league, Campora seems to have snuck up on this. Yeah. Goal scorers. He's got ten of his team's seventeen goals. Like, it's yeah. incredible. It's because um, kind of been so woeful throughout. They've been the worst team in the class order easily. Yeah. Ah, news, news. Kind of on a related point. Well, bottom. Um, Are they bottom of the? Yeah, yeah. The they're, they're, they're two below news. On a related point, actually, one of my. Oh, sorry, players, they're not. They're two. They're two ahead. One of my players of the season is actually another Oricon player. I guess we'll talk about that when we're talking and doing yeah. a season wrap next year. But it's yeah, quite amazing how bad some of the other players <laughs> are. <laughs> But I mean, if Campora, you certainly wouldn't bet against Campora getting one or two against Independiente and Vélez keeping a clean sheet against Racing. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, of course, Vélez decide that they're, they're going on the holidays early. And well, Teo won't be there anyway, so you can't. No, of course. Yeah, Teo won't be adding yeah. to, to it anyway. Actually, uh, Strack Attack hasn't had. He's, he's pretty much slowed down he's because tailed of, yeah, he's got a couple right, of penalties right. in the last few weeks, but you know, yeah. he's, he's pretty much yeah. stuck on those nine or ten goals ranges. Yeah. But um, yeah, if, if any of you are compulsive gamblers, you know, Wanting to place a bet on who you think is going to finish this season as the top scorer. Bear in mind that Gutierrez yeah. won't be playing. That Strakwalosi's odds are going to be, I thought, considerably shorter than Campora. And I, I can see Campora kind of 
getting in there maybe each way if he finishes joint with Teo. I think English Sam's already put a bet on Teofilo being the top scorer at the Copa America, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we will of course the be talking. that was on Gilles, but I don't think it's going to pay off. Zombie! Baka! If you've got particularly sensitive ears, you might be able to say that Zombie is invaded again. It's attacking us. Zombie, do you have any thoughts on Huracan's defence for the last weekend? Zombies are always fun. <laughs> Black and white. <laughs> I'm trying to, to think now, guys, whether there are any other issues that, that came up over the weekend that we can talk about before getting on to Martin Palermo's no, retirement. I, mean, I, I think we should possibly give that some um, some time, because much as it's been ridiculously overblown in the press, particularly given that another side actually won the league title at the same time, it was hilarious. I mean, unless you want to uh, mention the teams that might be facing River Olimpo Tigre in the promotion. Of course, yeah. Um, well, again, I, perhaps we should leave that for next week when it's all yeah. sorted and... Right. We could mention the possibilities. The most likely at the moment are going to be Union de Santa Fe, who we've had a look at their squad, and they include Claudio Jacob's cousin, don't they? We're just bringing the table up at the moment. You, you may be able to work out at this juncture of the podcast that none of us pay an awful lot of attention to Nacional B. Just like the rest of the country, to be honest, <laughs> if you're not a fan of one of the teams. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, it's not something that, that most... Uh, international readers of the websites that we write for and whatnot want to hear about so we don't end up really well, paying any attention as my team is in a second division I do pay attention but it's, it's also very similar to the first division in that things change drastically in a matter of two or three weeks as yeah. a team can win a couple of games and they suddenly leap now yeah. Union need one more point to <coughs> go up automatically of course Union and San Martín de San Juan <coughs> if, if Union were to lose yeah. at the weekend and San Martín were to win then they'd have to play a playoff to decide I think it's looking very likely San Martin de San Juan and Belgrano de Córdoba. Yeah, um, and the way, the way that it works for anybody who can look up the Nacional B table, perhaps if, if you're doing that while you're listening, um, is that the team who finish in third, and it's not on the promedio, it's not on the same table as the relegations worked out on. Anybody who finishes in third on the season-long table... Season-long is in... It's a proper season. It's exactly. In, they in play a long season. Below yeah. the first division, they don't have short championships in Argentina anymore since about a year or two ago. San Martín de San Juan, who are currently third, would be playing the third from bottom team at the Primera Promoción, so either Huracán, Gimnasia or Quilmes. And Belgrano de Córdoba, who are guaranteed to finish in fourth already. They're seven points clear of the team in fifth and five behind the team in third, so they can't finish anywhere else with only one, point, one game to go. We'll be playing, well, either Tigre... River or, or Olimpo. Yeah, so if you're a River fan listening, which is probably more likely, um, yeah, Belgrano de, de Córdoba would be the team that you're likely to play. Yeah, uh, for whom César Pereira is, is the top scorer. I was, no, we can't tell you well, I was talking to a Belgrano fan last night, actually, and he was telling me that he reckons it well. Actually, it was a guy who's friends with Belgrano fans, and they reckon that uh, they're a really decent team, and, you know, like, yeah. and, and this striker is really, really good, so yeah, it'll be... Yeah. I think, kind of, from a personal point of view, it'd be it'd be quite nice to have a, a quarter of a side back in there. I was about to say that. Yeah, but back obviously, in the top flight. obviously, if if River end up playing them, I'll be supporting River. Well, um, yeah. But in, I and, and I think actually, the thing is, I, I quite like to see teams from outside Buenos Aires in the yeah. top flight. Of course, having more teams concentrated in Buenos Aires means we can get to more games more easily each weekend, yeah. uh, which is fantastic fun. Mm. But. It, it would be really nice, but that only really means that um, if they were playing Olimpo, possibly wouldn't mind 
too much either way. Although, mm. as you say, Belgrano are a big club well, from Cordoba. Since we're talking about the nationality, we should mention Atletico Rafaela, who are coming up, are a really, really good team. Yeah, yeah. Really good team, yeah. They've rubbed the league. They've seven, seven points from games, 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 yeah. So that'll be one to watch out for in the, in the next season. Yeah. We'll see what happens with transfers and stuff, obviously. But uh, And Union, who are the side most likely to finish in second and come up automatically as well. Uh, they're playing Ferro at home on the last weekend. That will be the return of the, the Clásico Santa Fecino, the Santa Fe Clásico against Colón, which hasn't been played in nearly a decade, because Union got relegated in about 2003, I think. Yeah. So for the best part of eight years, and, and that's one of the more colourful Clásicos uh, in the country. There'll definitely um, be some yeah unfinished business to take care of next year if yeah. those two teams play each other. And it's also, we, we quickly looked it up before we started recording, and uh, what's really interesting about it is that it might be the most even Clásico. They've played 80 games, and um, Colón have currently won one more. I think it's 26 wins 25, for Colón and 25 maybe, yeah. for mm. Union, if I remember what we looked up earlier correctly. So that's going to be interesting to see. And, and it looks like very much like Union are going to be coming up. Union would have to lose at home to Ferro and... Who are the teams below them? It's San Martín de San Juan, aren't they? They'd, they'd have to win. They'd have to beat Belgrano, who in fact won't have anything to play for. Yeah. Um, because they know that they're finishing the Yeah, of course. Not San Ferro, obviously. No, Ferro have nothing to play for. A few weeks ago, they were, they were within two points of uh, promotion, but yeah, as I said, everything changes really quickly. Yeah, in the yeah. It's been very. This is uh, these teams have played thirty-seven rather than eighteen, of course, um, as we're currently talking. And I mean, between the bottom promotion spot and and fifth place, there's a seven-point gap. Then you've got only two points between fifth and twelfth, which is Instituto de Cordoba, and only another one down to Federer after that. So yeah, you're quite right. That's a ridiculously close league. That's enough of. I uh, think we've progressed it. We'll probably on on hand of pod end up doing this in, on an annual basis if we keep going for several years and. and once a year, you'll get a post where we display our complete lack of knowledge about the Argentine <laughs> division. Please, nobody write in asking who. Oh God! Well, I've taught myself to make now. a splash. I might yeah. say a little bit more. Please, nobody write in asking which teams from Primera B, which is the third division, are likely <laughs> to be playing Independiente de Mendoza in the playoff because because we can't tell you. And now, forward and into the breach with our thoughts on on the the main event really this weekend, the incredibly moving tear-jerking, they may well be tears of laughter, tribute that was Martin Palermo's farewell to, to La Bamonera. It was a glorious 2-1 win for Boca against Banfield. Palermo scored a, no. 90, Palermo scored a 97th <laughs> minute header. That was what was supposed to happen, but unfortunately Banfield didn't read the film script and they got a 1-1 draw with Facundo Chucky Ferreira. I've never understood why Facundo Ferreira has the nickname Chucky, no, because no, to no. me Diego Bonanotte looks far more like Chucky the doll than yeah. Facundo Ferreira. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he scored an equaliser after Nicolas Colasso had, had shown Actually, um, some very bad form yeah. by scoring for Boca early in the second half rather than passing it to Palermo, who was only about 20 yards behind him. Um, Actually, Chucky's goal was very Palermo-esque. Like, yeah. It was kind of a looping cross and he managed to kind of... Mm. It was pretty bad uh, keeping by Lucetti. Come yeah. back onto this you know, female bad keeping. Is he like Rose, like is like Boca like or, or River uh, Ferreira? He's, he's the under 20, one of the... Best under I've heard he's been strikers. even linked outside kind of, yeah, to a I've few not, European clubs I've, I've not heard who he's, whether he's been linked to either of those but I do remember you telling us a few weeks ago that you thought he'd be a good player for River right. that was you he telling us that he'd actually been linked there, to yeah. River I'm not sure but yeah he, he's exactly the kind of forward that, that River could, yeah. could use and he's got a few goals actually I don't know if we've got time without yeah, we should have. compromising we the recording to um, yes. six oh. six level six. with Palermo in fact 
<coughs> so, so maybe he's a new Palermo. Like, will we be seeing a Bokemon? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it could well be. Um, uh, Facundo Parra of Independiente is also level with them on six. Uh, as are Nestor Barrera of Olimpo and Mariano Donda, who we've already talked about, Godoy Cruz. So uh, if you're in a pub quiz this weekend and anybody asks you which players have scored six goals <laughs> in, in this season's uh, Torneo Clausura in Argentina, then say a silent thank you to Hunter Pod for giving in the answers. But yeah, anyway, the, the, the match was very much the, the second... Um, Second billing to what happened after the match this this weekend when Palermo was um, he ascended to heaven basically, he basically they gave him yeah. a cape and well in fact one of the guys who comments my, my friend Johnny who I've already mentioned in the context of uh, the Argentinos Independiente game last season who commented on on my blog after the game he he is a Boca fan but he's also a grown man so he found something <laughs> vaguely ridiculous that he, he said that when they gave him the cape Palermo was presented this cape which, which a bunch of kids who support Boca had hand stitched for him apparently I think they were and, um, I think they were like homeless kids or something <laughs> <laughs> was he actually just sitting I, 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 was, I should say I was watching this on mute whilst, um, whilst editing the, 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 the uh, Brazil special for the podcast so I didn't actually hear that so I feel very bad <laughs> Um, but yeah, jo- Johnny said that uh, that he felt like when Palermo actually put the cape on, um, it had Super Martin or something, <laughs> Super Palermo or something written on the back, didn't it? And um, Johnny thought that he was then going to be winched up on a, on mm. some kind of high wire <laughs> and flown around the stands with fireworks coming out of his ass, which which would possibly have been more dignified than what actually happened. But then if you seen like Bocca's engineering around the stadium, I wouldn't trust him no. to do that kind of thing. No, yeah, so basically they, they, they got him up on a stand in the middle of the pitch and then they, they kept showing him two or three different videos up on the, on the big screen and everybody, well, he was bawling his eyes out and his, his mum and dad were there and it was all very nice. Sam's, Sam's being a very bitter, very cynical yeah. oh, no, Englishman yeah. here. I mean, I should say, I'm, I'm yeah. poking fun at it because it's very easy to poke fun at, but if I was a Bocca fan, then it would have been yeah. you know, quite nice. It was the grand finale, of course, to this game. They gifted Palermo the goal yeah. behind, uh, in front, I should say, of the home support uh, where the La Dose stand. Yeah, and, and this was um, the, the one thing, I think, that, that, that gives us a reason to think that if they ever do make an actual film of Palermo's life... People might wonder why we say this every couple of weeks. The Argentine press have had this ongoing thing where Palermo's life is like a film because so many crazy things have happened in his career. And so they always joke about it. Now, you know, this coming weekend will be the final act in, in Palermo's film. Then Martin Palermo is a good enough actor to play himself because he managed to look surprised when they presented him with yeah. the skull, even though they had a couple of diggers. <laughs> yeah, it took like thirty minutes to put it onto a truck while he was in the middle of a gra- you know, in the middle of the field. So trying desperately to look the opposite way and pretend he wasn't noticing. Um, yeah, and I think that was. They gave him. Yeah. What else did they give him? Well, that was that. It. A couple of videos, and, and he came onto the pitch with his number in gold. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's well, the yeah, touches. Yeah. Played the match, in fact, with, yeah. with his with special dispensation from. Uh, but no, I think no. I think over the months, especially this year in the Clausura, we've poked quite a lot of fun at Martin, especially in the first half of the season where he couldn't score for love nor money. But yeah. you got to salute him because I think now Absolutely. he didn't score, so he stays the joint fifth top scorer in Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he, he needs four goals to go level with the guy in fourth. Yeah. And he scored four goals in one game against Team Nassio before. <laughs> so you wouldn't put it past him. No. If he scores four, well, he scores four goals next week, I think that's going to be that's definitely going into, into yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think given the arc of Palermo's career <laughs> as a whole, it's almost inevitable that it's going to happen. Well, and, and the reason that they keep talking about this whole movie thing is because, well, there's been some really low points in his career. Yeah. Um, he's breaking been, a leg once the a goal for Real Betis in Spain exactly and um, and then just ridiculous things seem to happen to him all the time as in 
I think I saw a, a list of his top or a video of his top five goals, and you had the one which he scored from the halfway line. You had the one that he scored from almost half line, halfway line with his head. The one against Vélez, yeah, I remember that. The one where he came back after six months injury and came on for the, the Super, Cla- uh, Super Clasico and scored after a couple of minutes, which yeah. was just ridiculous. There was uh, one that he scored with a broken knee. Right. He, he, he had a torn ligament or something in his knee at the time that he, he scored it. And he scored with his his ass. He scored with both feet at the same time. He's you know he's, he's just a ridiculous striker in, in yeah. the context of the local league um, and scored an incredible amount of goals. And I'd like to say as well because um, obviously being the River fan, I've, I've possibly stuck the boot in metaphorically speaking on him slightly more than than you two and, and certainly a lot of my Twitter followers and a lot of the regular readers of my blog over the last four and a half years will very much have picked up on my dislike of Palermo let's say and I've certainly been accused of disliking him a lot and I'd like to say I don't dislike him as such I find it completely ridiculous that he was included in the squad for last year's World Cup for instance I don't think he should have gone there and um, I dislike the way that he's held in such enormous esteem by the Argentine yeah, I- as I also dislike the way that both River and Boca are as well to, to the expense of, of so much else of what's a really fascinating footballing culture in the rest of the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel the same as well. He, he seems like a really nice guy, and, and uh, it's amazing. He's never what, kind of yeah. been in these like you know disciplinary travels. He's never kind of been one of these guys who's right. gone out and you know no. made that. But yeah, I have a similar yeah. similar problem to, to you, Sam, in that say take someone like Hernan Crespo, who had a long and successful career yeah. in Europe, has nowhere near the stature of Palermo. Partly due to his success of being in Europe for so many years, whereas Palermo had such a short spell in Europe and came back, which has allowed him to reach these kind of records. I mean, probably even if we take this to the extreme, you ask a lot of Argentine uh, fans who they kind of feel more empathy with, who they support more, like Palermo or even Messi. Yeah, definitely. I think Palermo, like, definitely if they're a Boca fan, maybe even most casual fans. Yeah. That's why they were like... Absolutely. So that, that's why we may seem cynical yeah. at times, uh, so, because... So I mean, certainly for me, that, that's why I dislike it. But at the yeah. same time, I, I wish we had a striker like that playing for River, who had the same kind of desire to, to go Sorry. for the goal. They, they'd be in a much less... And also, at the end of the day, you can... You know, he, he only had a short time in Europe, and that was because he never quite cut it. Let's say in Spain, he had some very bad luck, especially with the, the broken leg during the celebration, much as a, that is a hilarious story. And, and for the record, I'd laugh at that if, if it had happened to me. I'd it happened to a homeless kid as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially <laughs> if it had happened to a homeless kid. I'm just a, a cold, heartless bastard like that. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, all of that stuff is is by by the by. He's he's the joint fifth highest goal scorer in the history of one of the oldest leagues in the world, and that's that's saying something. And, and you certainly wouldn't bet against him to at least get one next no. weekend. And you know, Jose Sanfilippo, the guy who we drew level with, with that very long range, weaker footed effort against Kilmes in that two two draw last weekend. Was in the news last week saying some not very complimentary things uh, about Palermo. Sam Filippo, for the record, is is someone who's um, who certainly has a mouth that's possibly larger than any other part of his body. Let's say. Um, I can't remember if we talked about it actually on the on the pod or before recording yeah, with yeah. Seba, but comparing him to someone like uh, Di Stefano, like yeah. one of these old guys who just hates modern football, basically. And I mean, San Filippo, when Maradona was at his peak, was saying I was a better player than Maradona, and uh, San Filippo has has basically. According to himself, if he managed to play one World Cup right now, if 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 he was the Argentina squad for the 2011 Copa America, they'd win the tournament easily. Even if he didn't have any teammates, he's he's got that kind of opinion of himself. Much as he was a great goal scorer himself and everything, Martin Palermo comes across as a far more likable guy. Mm-hmm. And one other thing, of course, was that Palermo mentioned during his acceptance speech for this goal that, that he was an Estudiantes fan as a boy which, which is certainly a brave move and he is an Estudiantes fan basically yeah, yeah. Exactly. although his, his actual words were everybody tries to say that I'm an Estudiantes fan 
but I will take all of you Boca fans with me in my heart. But um, it's a strange thing to say because he's never denied being an Estudiantes fan. And he did have some lovely words during the week talking about how um, you know how how moved he was by the the people of Boca, the supporters. And he said it doesn't depend on the directors of the club or even the players. Boca is you know is, is to do with the fans, and it was all very nice. Yeah, I think one of the um, the funniest things about all of this kind of build up and mania about Martin has been. The position of Lucas Viatri, <laughs> who's kind of sat on the bench, base, I think for the last two years, definitely, behind Martin. And last week, he pretty much went crazy because the rumours started flying in the Argentine press that Fagioni, the Boca coach, had asked Martin to stay on for another six months. And Viatri's been, you know, he's waiting. He's been waiting pretty patiently, and I think we've taken the piss out of him a couple of times on this podcast for some off the pitch. Uh, activities so, some say. things that Martin Palermo would never have done would never have done activities yeah. <laughs> and he basically said you know if uh, if Martin stays another another six months I've got to go <laughs> yeah. and then it's a brilliant quote after Martin got gifted the goal uh, Viatri just came in and with this like brilliant I love the Argentine sense of humour because it can be so kind of like dark and self-deprecating. This is the thing, the actor's words, which you're going to tell yeah. us in a minute, Dan. To me, they, they could be self-effacing <laughs> or they could also be him kind of going, come on, give me more games, yeah. please. I think it's a little bit of both, just like, yeah. He basically said after, you know, watching this goal getting uprooted out of the ground and given to Martin, not literally, but symbolically. So now they should probably just uproot one of the benches and give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Which was uh, there were some similar jokes which I know Australian Dan is just dying to tell us and, and which I'm certainly not going to stand in his way. There was an awful lot of Funes Mori jokes during the during this whole process and I think my top three were um, there was one where they uh, they said Funes Mori is going to get gifted one of the stands of the Monumental because that's where most of his shots end up. And they also said, uh, well, somebody said Pasarela is going to gift him a goal so that he knows what it looks like. Or probably my favourite one was um, Funes Mori could learn a lot of things from Palermo. Uh, uh, firstly, he could uh, imitate him in his last act and just retire. <laughs> so yeah, poor Funes Mori has been getting a hard time. Yeah, so Martin Palermo is... is and Thanks for the memories, Martin. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the, the other thing which, which I found very amusing about all this, although of course it made perfect sense to do it at the end of, of his last home game, but it's not actually his last match, as we've already said, <laughs> he and Asia are going to be having to face him. And Seba has asked us to say something. Yeah. Uh, just that he, uh, there was talk just before we, we started recording that uh, Palermo will be giving, be, might be given 15 minutes run out against, uh, in, the, in the match against Albania. Which is taking place at uh, Copa America preparatory warm-up on yeah. uh, next Monday. Something similar to what we saw with Ronaldo last week. Yeah, last week. Ronaldo um, arguably a slightly better striker at his peak. Than well, that's Palermo. controversial, Sam. Um, I'd say Palermo is probably more likely to score next week than Ronaldo was last week. Yes, no, I, I definitely <laughs> particularly given the supporting cast that we're going to be playing if yeah. Palermo gets on. We will now play some mystical, mysterious sounding music before Mystic Dan gives us his final set of predictions of the season. Um, whether he's going to do this for the Copa America as well, we don't Ooh. know. Ooh. Given that he'd have to do it round by round right to the final, <laughs> because we're not going to be doing podcasts during the Copa. We perhaps will let him off having to do that. But I think so. maybe if he just picks a winner for us uh, and maybe a top scorer, I'll yeah, yeah that would be quite. The stars probably will tell him this. That. This is for uh, in a couple of weeks' time when we do our Copa America big finale preview special. But for now, please sit back and enjoy the final Mystic Dan of the 2011 Torneo Clausura.
Alright, so we have um, Arsenal to beat Estudiantes, Independiente, Huracán, draw, uh, Gimnasia Boca, I'm going to say draw. I'm going to say Olimpo is going to win away to Quilmes, as I talked about before. I think River will beat Lanús, who don't have anything to play for. Uh, Argentinos Tigre draw. Ooh, so you're predicting the three by player. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize this stuff about Tigre, but okay. And Gorey Cruz to beat All Boys. Uh, Colón to win away to Newells. Banfield to beat San Lorenzo. And Vélez to beat Interesting. I, I think given the, the playoff situation, I think the most likely thing, as I've already said, I, I think that Olimpo will fail to match River's result, given that River's opponents don't have anything to play for. And Olimpo's opponents have got their survival to play for. Um, I think Tigre will, knowing that there's a bit of pressure on them, should Olimpo and River both win, I think that they'll manage to get the, the win against Argentinos. So I think the worst case scenario for River is going to be if them and Olimpo both win, as, as you predicted, mm-hmm. they have to play the playoff. Having said that, no doubt, now I've said that, River <laughs> will end up going into the playoff because Olimpo will win and, and River will only draw. Um, just a reminder though, if, if River and Olimpo both lose or if they both draw, River stay up and Olimpo play the playoff. How many times have you told yourself that over the last <laughs> <laughs> two weeks? Over the last two days, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been thinking about it pretty much non-stop. It's a, it's a nervous situation. So, yeah. you know, anyone who, who can be online at 3pm Sunday, make sure you're, you're watching Sam and his... Yeah, make, make sure you're following me on Twitter. Gradual decline into madness. Yeah, the tweets will get <laughs> more and more insane as the hours go by. I've, I've still not worked out exactly how I was going to watch it, of course, but as soon as you knew that these games were all taking place at once, I knew the one thing I can't do is go to the Monumental and watch the game in person mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have a clue what was going on elsewhere. <laughs> Half the fans have radios, but you, yeah. if you turn around and ask three people, do you know what the score is in the other game? One of them will go, yeah, Tigre are winning, or, or, and the other ones will go, oh, no, they're losing 2-0. <laughs> you get three different yeah. versions of the same game from them. So yeah, those those are your final Mystic Dan predictions for the season. Next week I'm going to be bringing out, to compare with the final <laughs> table, and, and so that we can all basically point it down and laugh, um, a, a league table of the positions obviously we've only got the points because Dan's not predicting scorelines thank god but yeah the, the league table of the positions as they would be had Mystic Dan's predictions all come correct but yeah for now we'll we'll wrap up we'll say goodbye uh, enjoy the final weekend if you're going to be watching it online remember that you can get streams and things from my Twitter uh, and you can follow the whole no doubt hilarious thing if you're not a fan of River through me and I'm sure the other two Dan's and Seb are poking fun at me should the results go against River you can count particularly Seba and English Dan because I know that they're both desperate for River, uh, River to play in the, the playoff after Racing had to do it last year do enjoy last year or two years ago a couple of years yeah ago. sorry two, two years, years ago, ago wasn't it last year you, you got out of it with two games to go didn't you yeah. yeah do enjoy the final weekend and we'll be back next week to go over the Clausura review and to uh, perhaps look forward to some of the Copa America stuff also look out for the Uruguay special on the podcast um, which will be up sometime over the weekend. So for now, it's it's goodbye from me and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And goodbye from Australia. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao.